0: It's Thursday, November 24th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 424 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 27 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan, and today you're just going to get a solo episode with me to catch you guys up on what has been going on uh, here in our lives. I just moved from one house to another. I am still in the same city, so Fear the Boot as a podcast is not changing. None of the hosts are going anywhere. But I did move across town, and so that created a bit of chaos where I actually didn't even have the recording set up here for part of last week, uh, which is why the intro to the most recent show sounds like it does. I actually recorded that on my cell phone and then had uh Splice it into the episode. But I did manage to get everything over here and set up. But because of the work that I was doing, it threw off scheduling with the other hosts. So I am just trying to get this cut really, one, as a test of the sound system uh, in its new home. And then, secondly, just to make sure that we get some kind of content out to you guys this week until I can get the host over here on one of our regularly scheduled nights to do a show. So Uh, You might have just me for one or two episodes, but fret not, that is not the new way of things. The other guys are still around, and they are coming back. All right, so... Two quick announcements, and then I'm going to talk about a role-playing topic here. First off, we are in the last week of the Fear the Con Kickstarter. So if you want to get in there and support that as someone who's coming and wants to make sure that this is going to be a great con, or someone who's not able to make it, there is now a backer tier for people that are not able to attend. So if you just want to support what's going on there, then please check the show notes for a link to the Kickstarter because the con is funded. uh, But what they did was they set the initial funding level pretty low. So all we are doing right now is basically working our way up through the additional tiers and adding some gravy onto the con. So if you want to basically set the quality of the con or the content of the con, if you will, then get in there and take a look at that. The second thing is as part of the move, one of the things that I did was I ditched all of the medieval torture chairs and replaced them with four brand new office chairs And all I can tell you is I've been sitting this one for a couple hours now while I've been preparing to record this episode and my butt is fine. So I want to give a big thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. And if you're not currently a Patreon supporter but are interested in helping us out there or just seeing what it is we offer, be sure to check the show notes for a link. To the Patreon and we appreciate everything that you guys do for us there. And hopefully Chad and Brodor themselves will be back here pretty soon to tell you themselves that their butts are no longer being tortured, at least not by the chair. All right, so let's get into today's show topic. What I want to talk about is one of the things that the con got me thinking about is the sorts of games that I have run at previous conventions and the ones that people have commented they might want to see me run at Fear the Con X. And of course, one of the first ones that came to mind, well, it's probably Star Trek, but the second one that came to mind was my homebrewed Transformers game. Now, if you guys will recall, so back in January of this year, we cut an episode called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and the pun there in the title was because Wayne was preparing to run a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game at DrewCon, which was that fan-run middle convention that held the space between Fear the Con 8 and Fear the Con X, with Fear the Con 9 just disappearing into some alternate reality. And in that episode, we gave some suggestions on adapting an existing intellectual property to a role-playing game assuming that a system doesn't exist for it or maybe there isn't a system that you like and so what I wanted to do is I actually have the documents in front of me that I use when I was creating the Transformers role-playing game Uh, I guess maybe sheesh 20-ish years ago by now. And so I want to walk through the process that I used to create that role-playing game. And what I'm hoping that you guys can get from this is some ideas of how I modeled this into a role-playing game. And this is kind of like a real-world exercise based on that episode we did where we talked theory with Wayne on adapting an IP to a role-playing game. And I will try to draw some parallels here to at least one or two other intellectual properties just so you guys can see how this advice might work in general even if the specifics of Transformers does not interest you. All right, so with no further ado, let's get down to this. So I decided I wanted to write a Transformers role-playing game because one did not exist at the time. To this day, I don't believe one ever has existed, at least not an official one. I have no doubt there are multiple fan-written ones, but I'm not aware of an official one that's ever been made. However, it was a setting and a series of stories that really interested both me and the people that I was friends with at the time. And so I decided I'm going to take it upon myself to write this into a role-playing game. And so one of the bits of advice that we gave back in that episode in January was to start by prioritizing the basic ideas the game needs to portray. And so since we were doing Gen 1 trans. Transformers Here the three seasons of the TV show, plus the 1985, I think it was, animated movie that had Unicron in it. Uh, we knew generally what we wanted to do with it. Okay, so we're going to start off with, of course, this is about big robots that are sapient, that are capable of transforming, that are capable of existing on Earth, whose primary quest seems to be for energy specifically in some kind of an almost liquid form called energon, which is what they need to survive. And because they come from a factory world that is a rogue world, my rogue world, I mean, it doesn't orbit a star. They did not have a good source of energy. And so while they're fighting each other over this energy, they crash land on Earth, which is, of course, abundant in energy between solar power and geothermal power and all this stuff. You know, Earth is abundant in energy, and so... They take to fighting over it, and yes, I realize these sources of energy are actually quite abundant all over the galaxy, so we'll accept that as just their uh, suspension of disbelief for why they had to fight over Earth. But that right there gave me the basics of what I knew I wanted to portray in the game. Big robots that transform, that conform basically to the television show and the movie, in terms of how they appear and how they function, And also I knew that Energon was going to be a central part of how they functioned. Now, one thing that gave me a head start on thinking about the rules is the fact that all the classic Gen 1 Transformers, and I don't know if they still do this or not, but they used to come with these little stat cards on the back. And the stat cards would give you eight basic attributes for each of the Transformers, and it was scaled from one to ten, and then they would have a short description of a couple sentences that would kind of explain the equipment and weaponry of that particular Transformer. Okay, so as an example, I'm going to use the Transformer Onslaught, uh, which was the main body, or the torso, of the Combiner Bruticus. So he's one of the Combaticons. And so as I sit here and I look at Onslaught, here are his eight attributes, which once again all the Transformers had. Strength of eight, intelligence of eight, Speed of 3, Endurance 7, Rank 7, Courage 8, Firepower 8, Skill 9. Okay, so right there, I already know the basic scale that Transformers has to work on. This is a 1 to 10 scale, so I chose to use a D10 for attribute saves. I suppose I could have used a D12 to make sure that rolling over is always possible, but I just went ahead and said, I'll use a D10, and 1 is always a success, 10 is always a failure, Um, and the bonus you get for having a 10 in an attribute is going to come, and it'll help offset some modifiers that might be pulling you down otherwise. But let's say you're talking about something like, let's just use Star Wars as an example, that doesn't have a built-in stat system. It's not like when you buy a Han Solo action figure, he's got a stat card on the back. Well, I think what you can do is you can at least pick what scale you want to use. So if you're not adapting an existing system you can say, well, you know, I've got a hankering for maybe, I like 2d6, right? So I'm going to scale this from 2 to 12 or thereabouts. And so what you can do is you can start to create at least some kind of a scale. So you can say, well, in terms of attributes, what do I want to depict? What matters in Star Wars? Well, we know certainly that a person's strength matters, right? Because Chewbacca's shows of strength, you know, when he's dragging people around and intimidating them. That clearly matters. We know that charisma matters, that social skills matter, because there are a lot of things that Han and Leia in particular accomplish through their charisma. Uh, We know that somebody's, perhaps their physical dexterity is important, uh, because of the blaster fire and the lightsaber fights. You might want an attribute in there for how sensitive someone is to the Force, or how strong their mind is, because in the case of Jabba the Hutt, Uh, He was not himself a force user, but he was strong-willed enough that he could resist the force. And so you start to see the kinds of things that matter in the setting. Now, once again, for Transformers, this was pretty well mapped out for me. So there's my base eight attributes. Strength, Intelligence, Speed, Endurance, Rank, Courage, Firepower, Skill. So the next thing I had to do in my case was decide what these meant. And so what I came up with is Strength is, well, Strength. Intelligence is their basic intelligence, and to avoid a skill system, because Transformers really isn't about detailed skills, it's really more about what systems the Transformer has, I decided to use Intelligence also for most skill checks. Uh, Speed is simply your flat speed. It was mapped combat at times, so that determined how many squares you could move on the map. If we weren't on a map, then speed was still used to determine how quickly you could take a position on somebody or the modifiers that might figure into hitting you, because faster Transformers are harder to hit than slower ones. Uh, endurance I used as the base for what we'll call hit points. I gave the Transformer armor, and then once you got past the armor, you got into the guts of the Transformer, and I started blowing out systems. Rank I used kind of like willpower. It represented your strength of will and your presence in terms of dominating other transformers so it was something like charisma i guess in the outgoing sense the next attribute courage i used more as like a charisma in the internal sense this is your confidence in yourself this is how likely you are to flee especially if some kind of fear effect is used on you Uh, this is going to be your ability to resist if somebody's trying to hack you or overcome you this is what we're going to use Firepower I use as the base for weapon damage. All the weapons uh, had a base multiplier. So they might do two times your firepower, three times your firepower. So the higher your firepower, the more damage you did. And then skill, the last one I use is basically dexterity and agility. So this is your gross and fine motor skills. And now if we read Onslaught's description, this leads to the next point that I had to deal with, which is what the Transformer was equipped with. So in the case of Onslaughts, his says, Believes the key to a mission success lies in the perfection of its planning. Prefers de- devising sinister schemes to actual combat, but a relentless furious fighter when stirred into action. Okay, so this is personality. Good stuff for the character doesn't help me with game design. But here's where game design does come in. As a missile trailer, okay, so right there we've got one thing right there. So this is apparently a vehicle that I need to account for when we're talking about things that these transformers can transform into. So, okay, I need to note that a truck or some kind of a military vehicle is something that we need to account for. So then says Onslaught is capable of launching 6,500-mile-range photon missiles. Okay, well now I know photon missiles are a thing. So I wrote that down. A piece of equipment, a weapon, a transformer might have is photon missiles. Uh, Each equivalent to 3,000 tons of TNT. For anyone playing the home game, that's a three kiloton blast. That's actually a very low-yield nuclear blast. So that's actually kind of frighteningly impressive. We'll have to tone that down for the game because him literally nuking people is uh, a bit out of balance. Accuracy of missiles is hampered by electromagnetic interference. Okay, well, that says to me electromagnetic interference must be possible. And by the way, there are are other transformers that have those abilities. And it says uses a powerful sonic stun gun in robot mode. Okay, so what did I just learn from this? Well, as I said, we know that we need a military vehicle. We know we need to talk about photon missiles. We saw in there there was also a stun gun. So I know that I need that weapon and then some kind of mechanic for doing stun. Uh, We also caught that one of those weapons exists in his trailer form, or his truck form, whereas one exists when he's in his robot mode. And if you think about the Transformers, some of them had the same weapons in both mode, or some weapons that carried over, but with others, the weapons shifted. For example, teeth might move and might simply be flipped to the back, and suddenly they're no longer part of your fighting area, or a gun might become a decorative attachment, or there might be something like a handheld rifle that is not attached anywhere to the transformed form. But once they turn into a robot, suddenly that's in their hand. And so we know that these weapons may or may not be available in both modes. And so what we did was I and a friend of mine We went through all the Transformers, and we started doing two things. First of all, we started writing down all of their attributes into this nice big spreadsheet. So we went through, because he had this book that had a list of all of the transformer stat cards, including the many that we did not possess. And so we were able to write a spreadsheet that had all of their stats. And then what we did was in a second column, or second, third, and fourth, we started writing out Different transforming modes, different kinds of equipment. So these are we're getting down the stuff, right? The stuff that the game needs to represent. If we were to go back to Star Wars, I might at this point start writing down, well, here's what I think Leia's attributes would be. And here's what I think Han's are. And here's what I think Luke's are. And here's what I think Darth Vader's are. And we start laying all of those out going down. And then we start thinking through the universe and saying, well, we need to account for force powers. Well, what are the force powers we've seen? Well, we've seen lightning, we've seen mind control, we've seen levitation, we've seen people resist these abilities. Now, what's the gear we've seen? Well, we've seen blaster pistols of varying kinds, blaster rifles, Chewbacca's bowcaster, thermal detonators. So we have this list of things that need to be represented. And once you start laying these out... In sort of character form now you can start trying to figure out how they all balance so what I did was I started adding together and summing up all of the attributes that the transformers had and started looking at the spread of numbers so not all transformers are created equal and even if you want to try and play them that way they certainly weren't at the attribute level some were coming in very high some were coming in very low And so, I at least saw what that spread was. You know, if I wanted to create most Transformers, their attributes would have to be somewhere between this total and that total. And the range that I worked out that included the bell curve of the Transformers was they had to have at least 48 total attribute points, and they topped out somewhere around 56 total attribute points between those eight attributes. Now, how do I want to balance that? Because is it really fair, especially if I'm foregoing a skill system, to let one transformer have 56 attribute points and another one have so many less attribute points? Well, the answer is no. So what's something else I can use to offset that? Well, the next thing I came up with was in trying to figure this out was a point value for systems. So I figured that maybe a weaker transformer, in terms of their overall attributes, can make up for that by having more stuff. And in many role-playing games, you could account for this by them having magical abilities or force powers, extra cash to buy equipment, contacts, whatever it is that the system needs to represent. But you see, what I'm doing here is I'm moving from the part where I have a kind of a fixed point, the part I'm starting at, and moving to a place where I'm trying to balance things. And so what I said is the weaker Transformers are going to get more points for their systems. So they're going to have more points to spend on things like cloaking devices, modes they can transform into, varieties of weaponry. And once again, as we looked through these cards, we found there was all kinds of stuff going on. If you guys remember your classic Transformers, I believe Mirage could turn invisible. I think Hound could project holograms. We know, for example, the insecticons could eat physical material, including both electronics and also biomass, and convert that at a low ratio into energon. That was how they survived. And so I started figuring, well, we can work this out in systems. And so what I decided at this point already was, well, we're going to go with a priority system. Now, for anyone who's never seen a priority system before, I've seen them in, oh, particularly the older versions of Mech Warrior for Battletech, and I believe even the current versions of Shadowrun, though I know certainly in the early and mid versions. But the way a priority system works is you say, well, I'm going to take my attributes first, which will give me a lot of attribute points, but that means I have to take my next pick from a lower column. So maybe I'm going to take systems at second. Well, the way I did systems is if you take it first, you get 500 points. If you take it second, you get 400. If you take it third, you get 300 points. With attributes, if you take it first, you get 56. If you take it second, you get 52. If you take it third, you get 48. So if you take attributes at first, 56, because you want to have a lot of attribute points, well, then that means your systems are going to have to come in lower. So you're going to have to either take 400 or 300 points of systems. Now you may be wondering why I have three options. Well, that's because there's a third column. Because one of the major themes of the show, and something that I wanted to account for, was Energon. Because that was what their war was about, was the presence of the energy that they needed to survive. This is the equivalent of them fighting over food and water. And what we also know from watching the show is that they use Energon in any of their major activities. So anything beyond just kind of hanging around would consume significant amounts of energon. So firing weapons consumed on, transforming consumed on using their major systems like invisibility or whatever would consume energon. And so the third thing that I gave was an energon pool. And so that was your third pick. So let's say if you wanted a lot of energon, so you could really operate for long periods of time, you could take that first and get a much larger on pool but that meant taking less attributes and systems. So your transformer could run for a long time, was very energy efficient, but would have less total stuff that he or she could do. So the next part, which is the second to last part of this, was I had to think about how I was going to handle transforming. And this is one thing where if I'm going to run the game again, I think I'm going to change up a little bit about how I handled it. Because Transformers transform. Now, one of the benefits of that is that they can blend in, okay? So they can hide in a car lot or at an airport or something by pretending to be something they're not. But we also know that they transform to accomplish things, all right? They seem to transform, for example, if we look at Blitzwing, one of my favorite Transformers. He had three modes, robot, tank, and then a kind of a heavy fighter or or bomber sort of thing he could transform into. Well, if he wanted to fly, he would tend to turn into the jet mode, If he wanted to do a lot of damage and be a bit tougher, he would turn into the tank mode. And so clearly there were advantages to these other modes, that they could do things in these other modes they couldn't in their main mode. And so once I had listed out sort of the major categories of these modes, cars, fighter planes, bombers, tanks, trucks, microscopes, computers, you know, whatever... I also had to then work out, so what do they each do, okay? And I came up with two things. One was attribute multipliers. So if you turn into a tank, your base firepower just outright doubles. So the guns that you have do more damage. And based on how much you paid for a weapon, it may only be available in that mode. Maybe you wanted to save a few points so that big turret on your back is available when you're a tank. But when you transform it to a robot, it's up and on your back. And its power gets diverted somewhere else, and you have a much lower rent rifle or something that you use in its place. I worked out stat multipliers, but then at the end I also gave secondary effects. Okay, so for example, if you transform into a plane, you can fly. Duh. If you transform into, let's say, a submarine, you can go underneath the water and still maintain your full movement. And so I worked out these secondary effects of the transforming modes that seemed to reflect the way that they were used in the show. So they would increase your base stats. So if you turn into a bulldozer, that might increase your strength. But they also might give you a secondary effect. And so then the final thing was actually testing the system. And so we did this in two ways. The first thing we did is we went through that book of transformers, and we just did a random selection of the transformers that were in there. And you could do this in an existing setting just as easily So you could do this with Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, whatever you wanted to do. And said, can we make at least the bell curve, the majority of these characters? You're not going to be able to make them all because there are going to be outliers that are just so wildly overpowered or underpowered, you just even with a little bit of finagling and lying cannot get them close and so we accepted that but the question was could we recreate 80 to 90 percent of the transformers within these rules and ballpark them and the answer was yes and then the second thing was of course to play test all this to make sure things were fair to make sure that the cost of energon and the cost of weapons and the cost of the attributes and what they actually yielded had some degree of fairness so that you didn't have a transformer with one configuration that basically dominated things to the point that everyone else is like, why did I even show up? Which is, of course, a complaint that a lot of people have about magic users at high levels and certain editions of d So there we go. Now you can fill the forums with that sort of Transformers talk. So anyway, I want to walk you guys through how I created Transformers. I mean, partially just for the entertainment value of Offering you guys something that I think when taken in concert with the episode we did on Wayne's Mighty Morphin Power Ranger game really offers probably a better set of thoughts on design than the original design series did. But also because I thought you guys just might get a kick out of hearing how I put this together and if I end up running this at a con at some point in the future then you'll be able to see all of this in action and understand some of the logic that went into the decisions that I made. Or maybe ask me about, well, wait a minute, why did you price this one out that way? You know, what is it somebody did in a game that made you believe it was worth so much or so little? But once again, please do check the show notes, get out there, and I hope you'll support uh, the Kickstarter for Fear of the Con X. 100% of that goes to the con. Anything left over will be donated to a charity. And also our Patreon, once again, we appreciate all that you guys are doing on the Patreon to help us pay for server hosting, for Aisha, who's doing such a great job with editing, and for the chairs that hopefully Chad and Brodor will stop bitching about. And beyond that, I want you guys to have a great week and great holidays if you're in one of the countries celebrating them right now. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.